sweet song. Great hymns tonight. Glad you came back. How about Joshua chapter 1? You say you're going to start all over? I might hit a few here and there. One day I shall unveil the secret, but not at this moment. <laughs> now, you and I have a wonderful book, and I didn't have to tell you that. You already know it. But it's, uh, you can't mine all the truth, but you sure should try. Amen. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1 tonight, when you find it, well, you know the drill. Do whatever you want. <laughs> but stand if you can, Joshua chapter 1. Got a challenge for everyone here tonight. Joshua chapter 1, I'll begin reading here in verse number 1. The Bible says, now after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And that's all I'm going to read tonight. And let's pray. Father, we sure thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Father, we thank you, Lord, for King James' Bible. Lord, we uh, thank you, Lord, for those who you brought here tonight. Father, now your word is most important at this time. I pray that you bless your word. I pray that you allow it to go out and rest in the hearts of the hearers. Lord, would you change us? Father, we need you. And Father, we need the contents of this book to change our life. Father, I pray that you'd uh, bless everyone here and those who joined us over the web. Father, I pray that you'd give them a clarity of thought as well, those of our people who are sick and can't make it, Father, pray that you bless them tonight in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Now, as you know here, an entire book is written here about a man who leads the children of Israel from the plains of Moab all the way into their respective inheritances. And here that begins in the book of Joshua. Moses, of course, as you know, led the children of Israel out of bondage. He led them out of Egypt and all the way through the wilderness. But Joshua is the one that takes them across the Jordan River face to face with the enemy. And Joshua successfully subdues the land and uh, performs near genocide. And that's where, of course, uh, that's where Muhammad got his devilment. He copied the Old Testament. He copied, he got hung up in the book of Joshua and the book of Judges, and he therefore... Uh, wrote all of his devilment down there in the uh, satanic Koran there. Uh, many parts of the, called the crayon, I guess. The crayon are copied word for word from the Old Testament. So much for original idea. Amen. Muhammad had original idea. It died of loneliness a long time ago. But nonetheless, this is not about Muhammad. Joshua successfully subdues the land. And uh, Joshua's final words are known by... Most every Christian that I ever come across, matter of fact, so cute to see her little head and eyes peeking up over the pew there. That wasn't Joshua's last words, by the way. <laughs> it's my ADHD coming through, amen. Joshua's last words, as you know, are on many a country home and garden plaque. In Joshua chapter 24, he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And God uses Joshua in a mighty way. Would you agree with me tonight at least on that? Whatever Joshua was, we don't know what he liked to eat. We didn't know like the, if it was like Mexican or Chinese or whatever it was. We know that God uses uh, Joshua to do something mighty for Jehovah God. And, uh, and we see that in, uh, in, in, uh, right here in chapter 1. I'd like to preach to you a message about the man that God uses. Now, I'll use that word, uh, we'll use it ambiguously, because a man of God is a man or a woman, all right? I'll preach for, uh, just for a little bit here tonight on the man that God uses. And I want to use our text here. And uh, we often think the great heroes of their faith, uh, we think that they're supernatural. No. They're very much human. They just have a supernatural God. And so uh, fight the temptation sometimes to think, well, that's, that's a great character, but I could never be used of God the way they can. Well, uh, you might not be used to perform miracles, but you can be used to be uh, helpful in the salvation of a soul, which is a supernatural event, if you understand what I'm saying there. So I want to preach a little bit about the man that God uses and if I could do that, I want to give you just a couple things. Here, here's the first one. And I don't know about you, I want to be used to God. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not in the ministry because it was a career choice. Because if it was, it was the lousiest career choice, and I don't say that because I hate the ministry. It's just a bad choice. Amen? Uh, this is not a career choice. The Lord called me into the ministry, and when he did that, he made it sure, he solidified it, and he enabled me. And at the same time, he gave me a family that would help me out in the meantime. And, uh, but I want, I want to be used to God. Um, when the Lord began to use us in some, a little bit of travel and to minister in song, I wanted to be used by God. I'm not a, I, don't, I don't like to go and sit. Don't take that wrong. I, I like to be doing something, and I, know, I want to know that God's in it. Amen? I don't want to go to a church and like, well, he might be or he might be not. I don't want to do something. I don't want to waste my time with something if God's not in it and it's just absolutely sure that he's a part of it. Amen? That's why I'm very careful who I let behind your pulpit, my pulpit here. And because it came with a great price, unless I get a burning uh, bush, amen, they're not going to be behind this pulpit. You say, well, you're, you're, too, uh, you're too protective. Probably not enough. Amen? But I want to be that individual that God uses, and I would like to think, and I believe that you do too. You want to be used of God. And that thing's a process, ain't it? It really is. Uh, there's a difference between being uh, obedient to God and then being able to be used by God. I want to try to show you a little bit through this passage. But the first thing I see here in verse 1 I want you to see that the man that God uses is a servant. Real simple. Real simple tonight. He's a servant. Look at verse 1. The Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, you see that? He is the minister of Moses. Now, that word minister, if you look that thing up in the dictionary, it just means chief servant. You know what my job is? I'm a, I'm a minister. My job is to serve you. Amen. You think a pastor might be, oh, it's, he's the top dog. Yeah, he's the chief servant is what he is, man. <laughs> My job is real simple, to serve everybody. Amen? But uh, I'm, uh, he's, a, he's supposed to be a servant. And uh, 
I'll give you, you know, the opposite of a servant is, maybe we'll carry this theme throughout the preaching tonight if we can, the opposite of servant is a sovereign. So you're either a servant tonight, and you're serving, or you're the sovereign, and you have to be served. <laughs> Amen. Say, so, say, so you've been served. <laughs> but uh, I, here, here's something you need to consider, that uh, many Christians are too big to be used by God. Many Christians are too big to be used by God. Now, that's a, that's a very telling thing in today's age, in 2024. Uh, a lot of people say, well, I can't, I can't do anything for God because, uh, you know, I just, I don't have time. Okay, well, like I said, many Christians are too big. They are too big to be used by God. Uh, in chapter, or verse number two, you see that uh, Moses was God's servant. All right? So Moses was God's servant, and then Joshua, you know what he was in verse one? He was the servant of a servant. <laughs> you see that? It don't get any lower than that. The only way it could get any lower is if Joshua had some kind of butler that attended upon him, but I don't see a butler or whatever. It's just like Joshua's the end of the line, right? It reminds me over there, what is it, in 1 Kings chapter maybe 15, I think, if I'm, I'm right, uh, and Elisha, he's uh, got 12 yoke of oxen, and the Bible says, and he with the 12th. That means he's in the hind end of that last, he's yoked up with the stinking ox. He's with the 12th, or else he's right in between them, right? And what a great view that is. And that's a picture of the ministry. You're in the back of all the, the cows, and you're looking at a bunch of cow hind ends, and you're stepping in stuff, and you've got unsavory smells, and you've got to watch where you step. That's the ministry, but he's a servant. And so Joshua, he was a servant of a servant, and that's a chief servant, amen? So we know, of course, in Romans chapter 1, that uh, Paul identifies as a servant of Jesus Christ, amen? And that's what we are. You're a servant of Jesus Christ, amen? Now I know in the book of John, he says, I call you no more servants, but I call you friends. But you know what? He bought you with a price. You belong to him. Now you don't have to serve him, amen? You sure don't. And you got to get that. Uh, you say, you just think you're smarter. No, I don't. I'm, I'm not. We will not take an IQ test today, amen? I will not take an IQ test next to Brother Cole. I ain't, ain't going to happen, amen? Not, not on a stack of Bibles from here to St. Francis, amen? <laughs> but you know what? Uh, <clears throat> you and I can be a servant of Jesus Christ. And Paul says that in Romans 1. But not only that, look at Romans chapter 16. I want to talk about this thing about being a servant. Either you're a servant today or you're a sovereign. A servant or a sovereign. Matthew chapter 16 talks about a little old gal. Her name's Phoebe. All right? And Phoebe, she only is mentioned once in the Bible, but boy, does she carry a great title with her. And of course, this is where all your new Bibles, they go all epileptic and have seizures and fits, and they screw the whole thing up and make it for. Uh, now you got to have a deaconess committee. Good grief. What a drag that thing is. The word deaconess ain't in the Bible. You say, well, it's in the Greek somewhere. It ain't in the English Bible, so quit it. Amen? If it ain't in the English Bible, leave it alone. Praise the Lord. Pass the chicken. Amen? He says, I commend unto you, verse 1, Phoebe, or Phoebe, however you say that, uh, our sister, which is a servant of the church. Ain't nothing wrong with that, is there? Isn't that a blessing? You're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also be a servant of the church. 
because Jesus Christ bought the church with his own blood. That's Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Now, you want to be used by God, you just be a servant. Amen? There's nothing wrong with being a servant. Uh, the problem with some churches, and I've been in a handful of them, they got, everyone's got to have a title. You know, you know, you know what my title was some days? Left out. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you say, left field? I'm there quite a bit, but how about left out? But really, I do want to be used for God and be used for God. You see it here, you've got to be a servant. Amen? That's the way to go. That's the way to grow. You want to do something for God? You want Him to use you? Just say, all right, Lord, I'll be a servant. So you can be a servant of Jesus Christ. You can be a servant of the church. I'll give you one more on this thing about being a servant. Galatians chapter 5. A little bit of turn in tonight, not too much. Stay primarily in the book of Joshua chapter 1. But Galatians chapter 5. Now this world has taught you to rely on others for everything. It's taught you to rely on McDonald's for your coffee. It teaches you to rely on Amazon for every whim and every little thing that you can think of. It has taught you to rely on Walmart and Myers for, you know, and you got to shop, I get it. So thank the Lord you can have someone shop for you and pick it up if you don't like to shop. But here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, notice, you notice you can be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, at the same time be a servant of the church. But here in verse 13, notice what you can be. The Bible says, For brethren, you have been called into liberty, only use not liberty for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So there it is. You want to be used by God, be willing to be a servant to other Christians. Now that's kind of where the rubber meets the road and becomes difficult because some Christians are difficult to get along with. The setting here, of course, is in the local church. So you know what, Christian? We should serve one another. Amen? This should be the first place and none of us should ever question the fact of taking a knee and helping somebody out. I'm telling you right now, if any of y'all was on the side of the road, except Chuck, I'd stop and help him with a flat tire. I'm just kidding, I know him too. He'd be the one changing mine, amen? <laughs> him and being there, <laughs> right? But we ought, we ought to help each other. We ought to serve one another, not because there's something in it for us, not because there's a position available, but just because, I'll tell you what, that's who God uses. God uses servants. And, uh, man, you're going to have to fight that mentality and that ideology in today's world. It's like, you know, here, have it your way. And here, you know, I don't like it, so I'm going to cuss you out. And I want my order for free. And you didn't make it fast enough. So you see what I mean? That's a whole mindset. Serve me. Why? I'm sovereign. I I'm in charge here. But if you want to be used by God, like J uh, Joshua was, you become a servant of a servant. And you learn to serve. Well, many Christians are too big to uh, be used by God. But here's the thing. Here's the warning. Can I give you the other side of the coin? Look at Romans chapter 16. If you will not serve God, I want you to see what you end up serving. If you will not serve God, the Bible shows you that you're going to serve yourself. Romans chapter 16, look at verse number 18. Now you're either going to serve God or you're going to serve, the Bible calls it, your own belly. Amen? That's what the Bible says. Look at here in verse 18. For they that are such... Serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. So there's two options. You can serve the Lord, or you can serve your own guts. <laughs> you like that? Like that voice? Serve your own guts. Ugh. Right? Serve your own belly. That's your own interest, right? Now notice this thing. You either serve God, or you serve your own belly. And if you serve your own belly, according to this passage, 16, 17, and 18, 
Notice what pops up in verse 17. If you serve your own belly, you're going to be one that eventually causes divisions. You see that? I'm showing you the antithesis of being a servant. If you don't serve the Lord, you end up serving yourself. And when you serve yourself, you back that thing up and look at it. You end up being someone in the church that causes division. Why? You're focused on your own needs. You're focused on whether or not you feel good. You're focused on the here and the now. And you know, I'm in the now. And he said something I don't like. Well, you're just going to cause divisions. Think about that next time you go to say something that's not very graceful. Think about that the next time you're just tempted to rip someone uh, a new opinion. Or how do you like that phraseology? Amen. I cut the pastor over there. But uh, amen, you end up causing divisions. Is it not there in the passage? Mark them which cause divisions and what? Offenses, people getting offended and generating things to be offended about. Why? Not a servant. I'm serving myself. I'm concerned about my own feelings. I'm concerned about my own opinions. I'm concerned about the way I feel right now rather than being a servant, taking a knee and maybe taking one on the chin every now and then. You cause divisions, number one. Look at this, this thing in verse uh, number 17. Not only divisions, but you end up casting aside sound doctrine. Listen, if your morals are messed up, your doctrine will end up being messed up. You remember that. All right, so if you're willing to serve your guts instead of the Lord, you'll cause divisions. You'll end up in the long run, maybe not right away, but you'll end up casting aside sound doctrine. And look at verse 18. You'll end up being a part of those that deceive others. Why? Because you have to serve yourself. You know why there's trouble in churches? Because someone did not want to be a servant. Now listen, there's isolated incidents where there's, there's legitimate wrongdoings. We're not talking about that, and I don't have to clarify that. You get it. You know what I'm saying. But when there's general clamor in a church, it's because usually there's one or two people. Ladies, I hate to say it, you kind of lead the way on that, not those that are here, but females in general lead the way on that thing, and they're just, I just don't like what he said. Well, then plug your ears, Amen. Plug your ears and ask the Lord to do something about your dumb preacher. Amen? Instead of telling everyone in church, praise the Lord. But you're going to end up causing divisions. You end up casting aside sound doctrine. Well, I just don't agree with what he said. Well, okay, whatever. You know, help yourself. Free country. And then you end up deceiving others there in verse 18. I'm talking about being a servant. I want to be someone God can use. And if I'm going to be used by God, I have to be able to take orders. God will not use a man or a woman he can't control. You ever just sit there and burn inside and say, Lord, will you do something with me? Will you use me? I want to be used. And the Holy Spirit goes, I can't control you. Ooh. He won't use somebody he can't control. Well, not only a servant, but the man that God uses, if you look at verse 8 in Joshua chapter 1, not only is he a servant, but you see this fellow, he's solid in the Scriptures. He's solid in the Scriptures. Now, Joshua chapter 1, that's a great verse in the Bible talking about the words of God itself, talking about the book of the law. You see that right there? A lot of you memorize that as a kid, as a child. You've got notes, you've heard sermons preached about the thing. But here you've got uh, the Word of God, and it's championed right here. And the Bible says here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the book, This book of the law shall not depart 
out of thy mouth. So it's got to be in your mouth. If it's going to be in your mouth, then it's got to be in your eyes and in your head and eventually in your heart. You see it? He says, um, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. You're kidding me, right? Well, what about Netflix? Uh, what, about, what about Amazon Prime? Uh, what about the race? And he says, day and night. And that's something. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, talking to Israel, and then shalt thou have good success, talking to Israel. The practical application is if you want to be used by God, you're going to have to learn to be solid in the Scriptures. And not just believing it, but reading it and studying it and using it. you got to use it. I mean, I could say all that I believe the King James Bible is the Word of God, and that's just about as good as saying I believe Santa Claus comes down the chimney if I don't use it. He doesn't. But if he does, you know what the Bible says? He's a thief and a robber because no, man's supposed to go in by the door. Amen. So he's supposed to be solid in the script, uh, scriptures. Now when it comes to this book, you know what you and I need to do? We need to believe it. Bible says in verse 8, This shall not depart out of thy mouth. You ought to believe it. Never doubt it. Right? Never doubt the Bible. Now look at verse 5. You say, why should I never doubt it? Because he gave you the promise. He says, I will not fail thee. The Lord will never fail you. Christian, remember this way. I know you know this. I know this sounds elementary. It sounds kind of like third grade Christianity. But God will not fail you this week. He won't. He might, he might get a little bit quiet on you. Doesn't he get quiet on you sometime? You're like, uh, are you still there, Lord? I didn't lose my salvation. Am I in the right dispensation here, God? Uh, he'll never fail you. And he says there, uh, he says, I will not fail thee. Uh, never deny it. Amen. You got a good book there. Never deny the book that's in your lap. You've got a, a church over there in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8. I talk about the Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia. He says, for thou hast, and he says, thou hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Amen. Man, you ought to take that book everywhere you go if you can. He said, I do. I got my phone. <laughs> okay, man, that'll work. I like it. You know what I like? Uh, I, you know, I hate technology and I love it at the same time. It's addictive, isn't it? One thing I like about that, someone asks for a verse, someone texts me, say, how about a verse on that? I mean, I don't care. I don't have to memorize the whole thing. I know I should, but I don't have to. All I've got to do is have a phrase and search the thing out and send it in a text. Bam, just like that. And then all your friends go, oh, you're so smart, you know, the verses. No, I just got, I've got an app that does it for me, amen. You do the same thing, right? Okay, it's not just me. Everyone thinks you're so smart because you know the verse. Oh, Holly, you typed that out so fast. You're like, it sure did. It's called copy and paste, man. <laughs> but you ought to believe it. Amen? You believe the Bible tonight, don't you? All right, do you uh, behave the Bible? <laughs> you believe the Bible? Have you made it yours? Or is it just mom and dad's? Is it your book? Is he your God? Is it your promises that he made to you? I never doubt it, never deny it. And how about this? Never destroy it. Never destroy it. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul says emphatically, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. All the way back there in, what is that, about 68 A.D., he says, we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. And you better believe back there at that time frame when Paul was trying to get the New Testament established, so forth, and start them churches, there's a bunch of people trying to take the scriptures and destroy them and corrupt them. Amen. Never, never, never destroy it. And you know, I'll go this far. 
never destroy it, and don't hang around those that do. Amen? It's like this. When you go into the barn where the, the, the dewey's at, you go in the barn, you're going to get it on you. Don't hang around those that do. All right? Well, you ought to believe it. Josh, back in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, you ought to behold it. Amen? We're talking about being able to be used by God. You ought to behold it. Joshua 1.8 says, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Day and night. Now, ain't that something? You ought to behold it. You ought to have that thing going in your eyes constantly. Constantly. When was the last time you just took extra time to read the Bible? It said uh, when uh, the famous missionary David Livingston, Dr. David Livingston, was taking his trek across Africa, he had 75 books and three packs weighing 180 pounds. Well, they started off in a 300-mile trip across Africa there, and after a while he was obliged to get rid of the load because of the fatigue that it was providing his uh, fellow travelers. <laughs> stop by stop, they got rid of more books and more books until finally by the end of his journey, the only book he had left was his Bible. Behold it. Hang on to it. You see what I mean? A lot of books you might read, a lot of books you might participate in, but there's only one book that will benefit you, and that's the Holy Bible. You ought to behold it. Not only you ought to behold it, but how about you ought to broadcast it? Once you get it in here and it drops to here, it ought to come back up and come out there. You ought to broadcast it. Amen? He says, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. He ought to broadcast it to those who are already liberated. He said, all oh, the brethren don't want to hear it. You'd be surprised how many of your Christian friends during the week might be encouraged by a word in due season. Now, don't be an idiot, amen. <laughs> They're having a bad day. Don't tell them, well, the plowing of the wicked is sin, you know. <laughs> and Bible believers are stupid like that, you know what I mean? And I know some of you don't like the word stupid, but you can get over it and don't be stupid, amen. <clears throat> but anyways, you ought to broadcast it around those that are liberated. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4, uh, that old prophet says, Declare his goings among the people. He's talking about the people of God. Declare his goings among the people. Might be a good thing. What's the word today? Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. Sure beats some dumb worldly slogan. I'm not trying to tell you to be a prude, but man, you ought to broadcast it. You ought to get in the habit of getting it out there. Now, you say, I'm not real good at broadcasting. Well, you can get it out. You can broadcast it with your fingers, can't you? Here you go, here you go. Here, what's that? Just read it, you'll figure it out. He says, here you go. Uh, I pass it, I don't know, pass track, some of the boys are with me. I said, here you go. Uh, I, said, I said a sentence that didn't even make sense. I just got it in their hand. I said something stupid, just walked away. And we'd say, what are you doing? I'm broadcasting it. Well, you get nervous all the time. What's that? Yeah, free movie tickets. <laughs> hey, uh, was it about uh, 20... Uh, 2008, now it would have been what? How long ago would that have been? 16 years ago, we took a bunch of, uh, I think, I don't know if Courtney would have been with us or not yet, but we went out to Perchville. Man, it was stinking cold. It was at least zero or not close to it, and the wind's whipping through there. And I won't tell you everything went on, but anyway, we took a bunch of kids, a bunch of tracks. We didn't have candy or hot cocoa then, man, but we just had uh, we just had tracks, you know, just old stoic track passer out, and we'd go out there and, People weren't taking them. Finally, I go up to people that were smoking. I said, hey, you got a light? So I sure do. I said, well, I do too. Here's a light of the world, Jesus Christ. They're like, oh, thank you, man. And I just, whatever you do, broadcast that thing. You say, that's stupid. Did you do any better? Yeah, I mean, get in there. Broadcast it. 
broadcast it to those who are liberated. Okay, so you say, I'm all right with broadcasting it to those who are liberated. How about those who are lost? Right? Encourage the brethren. How about those who don't believe? Bible says in Psalm 96.3, declare his glory among the heathen. Here's a divine opportunity. Someone says, how's your day going? Now, you don't have to be a super spiritual giant jerk and all that stuff, but you say, I'm saved. All right, good day, good weekend at church. What, you got big plans for the weekend? Nope, just going to church. You go to church? Yeah, what a drag, huh? <laughs> right? Get it out to those that are lost. Well, you ought to believe it. You ought to behold it. You ought to broadcast it. How about uh, you ought to benefit from it, amen? And not just ought to be a chore. Now, look, reading the Bible can be meticulous. It can be a chore, but you ought to be able to benefit from it. I'm telling you right now, I would not tell you to do anything from this pulpit if I didn't think there was a benefit from it, spiritual or otherwise. If there was no benefit to it, I'd keep my stinking mouth shut over it. It'll help you. It'll help you in your Christian life. It'll help you when you go through things that you've been, bent, you've been in that book so much and you've been meditating in it and thinking about it and reading it and taking time and making sure to empty yourself of self and get the right stuff in. And then when the situation happens, the Holy Spirit's like, that's what you need to do right there. That's a benefit. That's a benefit. Well, you say, how am I going to benefit from it? Well, you can benefit from its perspective. You say, what's its perspective? Well, the entrance of thy words giveth light. You want light in your Christian life? Well, then read the Bible. You ought to benefit from its perspective. You ought to benefit from its protection. You say, how, how's the Bible going to protect me, preacher? I'm going to hold it and hold off a bullet. Well, how about this one? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, that Bible will protect you if you let it. That Bible will protect your thoughts from thinking some ungodly thing, from thinking godly things. Where Paul says, whatsoever things are this and that and the other, think on these things. You really actually believe that book, meditate in it, study it, and go on those things and think about them, you have less trouble in the week, won't you? I mean, if you, would you at least be honest enough to say our, one of our biggest troubles right now is our mind? Uh, one of the biggest troubles that I face as a preacher is trouble that has not happened yet. That's why I'm flipping out and stressing out and having a mini stroke when that well water pipe busted. <laughs> you say, oh, preacher, it was easy fix. Yeah, you didn't know that either, did you? So cut it out. <laughs> Amen. You ought to benefit from it. You ought to benefit from its perspective. You ought to benefit from its protection. And you ought to be able to benefit from its provision. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, Christian, if anyone, any Christian is willing to empty themselves of their own flesh and fill themselves with the word of God, let me tell you what, the Lord will provide for you in ways you've never seen. Well, God's going to use a man. Who can he use? He's going to use someone who's a servant, someone who's solid in the scriptures. And here's number three. One who superintends his work. Superintends. Now three and four go together, but there's a little bit of a difference here. Look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 10. Joshua chapter 1 verse 10. Bible says, then Joshua commanded, commanded the officers. Now that word superintend, uh, back in the old days you had a Sunday school superintendent, right? That was the big deal. They, when I was going to school, yeah, school here, and church here back in the early 80s, they had, they had a Sunday school superintendent. And he was super, you know what I mean? 
but that superintendent, he, uh, he, was, he just uh, picked up all the offerings and he did all the attendance and it was a little position to make sure Sunday school was running smooth. Any kids out of line, you take them out in the parking lot and beat the fire out. I'm just kidding on that part. But there's a little bit of that going on, amen. <clears throat> but you ought to be able to superintend the work that God's given you, amen. You ought to be able to superintend. You ought to take care of it with authority. God gave you something to do, then you ought to do it. It kind of goes in what we're preaching about this morning, why some Christians think that God's so quiet with them sometimes. It's because he's already told them what to do, and then the Christian's like, well, duh. I want to talk to you about something else. And the Lord's like, there ain't nothing to talk about. Well, you're not doing what I told you to do, and you told me you were going to do that. So until you decide to pick back up where you left off, we're done. I'm here. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you're my son, and we're out of fellowship right now because you will not do what you told me you do. But you ought to be able to superintend the work. Notice Joshua here in verse 11. He commands their preparation. He commands their preparation. And he tells them in verse 11, prepare you victuals. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, I like a fellow who's thinking about food, amen? Prepare you victuals. He commands their preparation. Now look at this in verse 13. He commissions their recollection. He's telling them what they need to remember. He says, remember the word. You see it? That's what's important. You need to remember that book in your lap this week. Not as much the preaching, but the, the reading of the word of God. That stuff's powerful. He commands her preparation. He commissions her recollection. And notice this in verse 14. He clarifies her separation. He clarifies her separation. Verse 14, the Bible says, your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land. Now, separation is important, but Joshua is the one. He's clarifying it. You say, what is he doing? He's superintending the work God gave him to do. He gave him a job to get done, and Joshua's doing whatever is necessary to get it done. Has God given you something to do? Well, then do it with all the doing you got. Giving you a family to raise. He's giving you a wife to take care of. He's giving you a husband to take care of. And and uh, all the rest of that stuff, giving you a little bit of money, giving you a little bit of grace, giving you a little bit of this and that. Just do whatever God told you to do and superintend that thing with all authority. That's who God's going to use. God's given us all something to do, amen. If you want to get technical on that thing, he's given all of us the ministry of reconciliation. That means within our, <coughs> within our means... When we come across someone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, if the door opens to be able to witness to them, we ought to attempt to deliver them. Now, we know that most people won't take it. But just because we think they won't doesn't mean we shouldn't. God has given us work to do. Number one, that work is to please Him. You please Him, and then when you're done pleasing Him, He'll let you take care of somebody else. Now notice he superintends the work, he commands her preparation, he commissions her recollection, he clarifies her separation. Now here's a great part about Joshua. Notice this in verse 15, he cheers on their chase for victory. Now that's a good fellow right there. Now some, uh, some preachers are too hard on you, and some preachers are probably too soft on you. And it's a real hard thing for a fellow to get uh, that thing balanced out there. Here Joshua tells them, then shall you return to the land of your possession. And notice the last three words there, and enjoy it. Amen? You do right, enjoy it. <laughs> God gives you your Christian life back once you get saved. He wants you to enjoy it. But you know, there is joy in serving Jesus, but there's only joy in serving Jesus if you're obedient to what he says. 
but he cheers on the chase for victory. I don't know about you. I played football. I know some of you didn't, but for a few years, whatever sport you played, now the coach seemed to always be after you. You know what I mean? Hard on you. Just, just make you work and sweat and say terrible things to you. But then, man, when you did something where you won the game, he was right there, and he was slapping you upside the helmet, you know, yeah, you know, smack you in the next week or something like that. They ought to be like this to each other, amen? We ought to encourage each other. Don't you realize it's rough enough out there? Well, if you're not careful, you'll be running people down, you know what I mean? Because they don't do it like you do, or they're not like you, or they didn't respond to you when you said, hello, brother, how are you? You know, who cares, man? Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they need a hug. Maybe they need you to shut up, amen? <laughs> amen? But you ought to cheer each other on to victory. Hey, good to see you, man. Good to see you, sis. Man, it's a blessing when you walk in the door. Don't tell them it's a blessing when they leave, amen? <laughs> but you ought to cheer them on to victory. So what is that? That's superintending what God wants you to do. And let me give you the last one here. In verses 16 and 17, uh, if you, God uses those who are steadfast in the cause. Steadfast in the cause. Now, you remember David there, and we've said this a couple times over there. He's in the Valley Elah, and uh, old uh, Eliab there, his brother, he's being a good older brother. He's just being a jerk is what he is, amen? He really is. There's no other way. And, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but once Eliab runs his mouth to David, who's a type of Jesus Christ, and criticizes David, you never hear from Eliab again in the Scriptures. Ain't that something? You know, we ought to get along with the brethren, not at the cost of truth. But here uh, David says in 1 Samuel 17, 29, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And let me tell you what, there is a cause. There is a cause, and that cause is pleasing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And not in a selfish manner either. It's the way in which he wants to be pleased by being in fellowship with him. But notice the thing, man, you're going to be steadfast in the cause. That means a couple of things here. It means, first of all, that you can be trusted with orders. If the Lord gives you an order, can you do it? Can you be trusted with orders? I'm singing your praises tonight as a congregation. There's everyone in here tonight I can ask to do something, and I've got to be careful what I ask because you'll go out and get it done. But there's Christians, and man, I'll tell you what, you could stand on your head and wiggle your ears and toes at the same time and beg and say, oh, preacher, I'll do it. You don't see him for 30 days, man. <laughs> but he can be trusted with orders. I'm talking about a man or a woman that God uses. Not this religiosity stuff that we wear God every now and then and put him on and then put him off. And Well, you know, it feels good today, so I think, uh, I think it's in my best interest to go to church. I'm talking about being someone that God can use, and he can be trusted with orders. Not only that, but look in verse, uh, uh, he says there in verse 16, all that thou commandest us, we will do. That's a man that God will use. Not only that, but he can be trusted with orders, he can be trusted to be sent. He can be trusted to be sent. Verse 16, he says, whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. You've heard it before. Lord, I'll go to China. Oh, by the way, the Williams uh, spent their first church service in Japan. Amen? Keep praying for the Williams. They are now there in Japan. Konnichiwa. 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. Keep praying for them. They, they look pretty good. I saw a picture of them. They, they look none the worse for wear, but you keep praying for them. But he, he can be trusted to be sent. Amen. We talked about that preacher there for a minute. Good man. Loves the Lord. Lord sent him to Whittemore. He preached that King James Bible, ruffled up a bunch of blue-haired biddies. They booted him out. And you know what he said? Fine. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord said, go to Japan. He said, I'm on it. Three years later, he's there. To be trusted, be sent. I don't know. You, I mean, y'all throw me out. I'd probably go cry. Amen. I'd hit a street corner. My wife would make me go preach on a street corner. I would be that ornery. Amen. It's got to come out. Amen. But trusted to be sent. Look at verse 16. Whether thou, whithersoever thou sentest us, we will go. Well, preacher, if the Lord wanted me to go to Japan, then I would go. Really? When Christians won't even go across the street, you're going to tell the Lord you're going to go to Japan? When a Christian won't even go to church when the doors are open, I know there's situations. I want to go to Japan. No, you're not. <laughs> That's called noodle theology right there. <laughs> but he can be trusted to be sent. Now look at this, one more. He can be trusted to be loyal to the leader. Look at verse 17. So will we hearken unto thee. You know, the Lord will never make you a leader until you learn to follow. He'll never make you a leader until you learn to follow. And notice about that fellow, you can be trusted to be loyal to the leader. Notice he's not a rebel in verse 18. You see that word rebel show up. That doth rebel. The man that's loyal to the leader, he's not a rebel. He's not a rebel. Not only that, he's not rattled at death. Look at verse 18. Shall be put to death. You see it? Can I be honest with you, uh, the faithful few tonight? We see a lot of Christian catastrophes, don't we? You see a lot of lies destroyed. Christian, look, it's terrible, but it can't rattle you. You're going to be loyal to Jesus Christ. You can't let the spiritual death of other Christians rattle you. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And uh, not only that, but the, he's not ready to quit. He's not rattled at death, and he's not ready to quit. Now listen, you've thought about it. I've thought about it. I've entertained the idea in my dumb head. Uh, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. It's cost enough. And the Lord's like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> but you can't be ready to quit. you got to get ready to keep going on. Let me read you a couple things here. Most of you know who William Carey is. He's considered the father of modern missions. And uh, William Carey wanted to translate the Bible in as many Indian languages as possible. And so he established a large print shop in Surampore. That's by Calcutta in India. That's on the west, west side. Kind of reminds me of the Texas without the wings. Texas has got wings. And he's just like a, just kind of a weird-looking diamond, you know. Uh, anyways. But uh, he had a, established a large print shop in Siramapore, and he spent hours each day translating scripture. Now, I know some of you probably knew that. He's translating scripture into many in, in, in Indian dialects. And, uh, but here's the thing. He would do that day after day after day while his insane wife was in the other room ranting and raving. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, even if my wife is nuts. <laughs> we laugh, but she was crazy, man. 
and then she prays it away. <laughs> you know what he does? He keeps translating Bibles. He keeps slinging ink. He keeps doing the work of God. Then one day, guess what happens? He becomes famous. No, his uh, print shop burns down. All his work. Guess what he does? Rolls up his sleeves. Surely wasn't American. Rolls up his sleeves. Gets back to it again. Does great work for God. Crazy wife. <laughs> Burnt down uh, print shop. And history records vibes of what he did for Jesus Christ. You say, what is that? Steadfast in the cause, man. Now listen, I'm not saying your wife's nuts tonight. I'm not saying the Lord's going to burn your house down, amen. But what if he did? Or what if he took your sanity and your wife was left to carry on? Visited you down to the nut house. You'd be steadfast. He says this. He went forward and he established his goal and the secret of curious success is found as a steadfast determination. He wrote once, there are grave difficulties on every hand and more are looming ahead. Therefore, we must go forward. That's a pretty good attitude in the Christian life. You've got to keep going forward. You can't let stuff, you can't, can't let it stop you. Uh, in sales for a number of years and one feller said this, he said, the measure of man is never found in what it takes to get him going. And all these sales meetings I attended about make me want to throw up. They really did. Raw, 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 you know, all right, get fired, play the Rocky music and all that stuff. And, oh, we're going to do our, we're going to beat our best today. I hated that stuff. Like, oh, good. It's like either you want it or you don't. But if you're buying, would you like to? <laughs> That's just kind of how I was, amen. He says, the measure of man is never given what it takes to get you going, but the measure of a man is always found in what it takes to stop him. That's where our measurement is found. If the Lord had to come along and measure you as a Christian, measure your steadfastness, where would you measure? See, Sunday morning is not a pep talk. Sunday morning and Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, you know what it is? It's the steadfastness to the gospel. It's what keeps us going on. Many of you know Adoniram Judson, the great missionary statesman. He once said, the motto of every missionary, whether preacher, printer, or schoolmaster, ought to be steadfast for life. Steadfast for life. You say, well, the Lord didn't call me to be a preacher. The Lord didn't call me to be a missionary. Well, thank God for that. Amen. <laughs> and if you think he did, uh, see if he'll let you get out of it. But what he's got you doing right now, are you steadfast in it? Because that's who God's going to use. God don't use these Christian celebrities. No, sir. No, ma'am. He ain't going to use them. God's going to use the servants on the pew at a local church that don't have to have the spotlight, that don't have to have everything their way, that don't, you know, have to suck all the oxygen out of the air when they walk into the room. That's who God's going to use. Amen? All right. God will never use a man he can't control. But God uses men and women that are willing to be used and controlled by God. Isn't it something God used Joshua with his faults and failures? Joshua didn't have a perfect record. But I tell you what, come around Joshua chapter 10, 11, I wouldn't want to be in front of him <laughs> on the other team. Kind of like dodgeball at high school, you know what I mean? I want to be on the good guy's team. 
But Joshua had shortcomings. He had problems. He had setbacks, and God used him despite of it. Why? Because he was these things we looked at. He was a servant. You see it? He was a servant. He was solid in what God gave him, solid in the scriptures. Amen? He superintended his work. He did it with great authority. He didn't let anybody get in the way. He didn't let anybody stand in the way. And he was steadfast in his cause from start to finish. Well, are you a servant? Are you willing to serve? You know, another word that rhymes with servant, not really, but it's suffering. Are you willing to suffer? Suffer without the spotlight. Just put my name in the bulletin, please. Okay, how about we put your name on the back with the other prayer requests? Is that where you want it? Are you solid in the scriptures? I'm trying to inspire you tonight, trying to stir you up. Are you studying often, spending much time reading those blessed pages? You know, there's always a million things to do, amen? But you realize you could always squeeze in just a little bit more of that book if you wanted to. You can. And you can even cheat, too. So how do you cheat? Listen to me. Say, is that cheating? I don't know, but it's good stuff going in, amen? And then you can cheat even beyond that, and you can turn up the speed of how fast he reads it. Because if you listen at the normal rate that Scorby reads, you'll be sleeping. You got to turn that thing up. I'm just trying to get you to get in the book a little bit more this week. Put it in your ears. Put it in your eyes. Put it in your heart. Memorize it. Study it. When a phrase stands out to you, underline it. And say, all right, Lord, you got my attention. How come this looks so interesting? And then look that thing. Run it down. Run it through a concordance. See where it shows in other passages. Are you superintending the work that God's given you to do? Are you steadfast in the cause? Or are you a rebel? <laughs> it's fun to be a rebel. But the Lord doesn't need any rebels, amen? He needs servants. Are you redeeming the time, or rather are you living it for yourself? Now God uses men and women that are these things we saw in the passage tonight. And I'll close with this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Lord knows everything you're doing. He's counting all the miles. He's counting every penny. He's counting every time you pray. He's counting every time you read that book. And every time you do something with a pure motive, that's going down. That thing's going to go right through the judgment seat of Christ. So here's the man, and here's the woman that God uses, plain as day, found in Joshua chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. And as I pray and close this out, I want you to ask the Lord for help to be that man or that woman that God can continually use from this day forward. Let's go to prayer. <clears throat> now, Father, we sure thank you, Lord, for a perfect Bible. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Joshua chapter 1. Thank you, Lord, for using Joshua, the great general. But, Lord, we know he started as a minister. He started as a servant, a servant of a servant of God. Father, I pray that you'd help us this week to be that servant that pleases you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the example. Thank you, Lord, for setting the pace and how you took upon yourself the form of a servant. And Father, thank you, Lord, for your humility. Thank you, Lord, for paving the way for us. Father, I pray, I beg of you that you would use us this week, uh, even if it's just routine duty. Lord, use us to be an encouragement to somebody. Use us, Lord, to get the gospel to somebody. Uh, use us, Lord, however you want. Lord, may we just be the conduit through which the Holy Spirit can flow. As the old preacher said, may we just be a rag to wipe the crud off of some poor sinner.
Father, we love you. We give you all the honor, the glory, and praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And we'll see you on Wednesday.